Welcome to Dragon Talk. Yeah. Oh, wow. Not a lot of people in our studio audience today. <laughs> if it's been reduced. <laughs> we are recording this Dragon Talk from our houses. We've got Shelly. Yes. Shelly Nazan. Hello. How are you Here. doing? Uh, great. <laughs> I mean, what could not be great? Your family is growing with more dogs? Yes, I am sitting here um, about a foot away from Puppy, our dog, and about two feet away from Jenna, our new foster dog. Does Jenna ever get mad that she's not also called Puppy? So far, she hasn't expressed any um, any anger towards that. Or no displeasure. That's good. No. Um, I'm recording from my house. Yeah, man uh, cave. Also in uh, West Seattle. I don't like the word man cave. Isn't I was weird? literally just going to ask what are your thoughts on the word man cave i don't it's a game room for the entire family i want everyone to feel uh comfortable here in fact i don't know if you some of you might be able to see i got like a princess matching game uh in progress uh behind oh, wow. her it's like a memory you can't is really that see like it. what you and your game group are playing now that's what me and my game group my two daughters are, <laughs> are playing in um and we've got ryan calling all, all the way in from tacoma as well ryan he may not be able to speak, but he's there in 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 his audio presence. Yes, we can feel the presence. Thank mm. you, Ryan. Um, but the Wizards of the Coast office and the D&D team is working from home, as you may know, because of COVID-19 and the uh, dangers of transmission there. So we are being very safe and trying to continue with some type of fun D&D programming out there in the meantime. So welcome to this Dragon Talk episode yes. for it. Good to know that Dragon Talk can go on amidst viruses, snowstorms. What else? Su- tsunamis. Tsunamis. Uh, we haven't tested that yet, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say we can do it. We can we do, could it. do it. I think we could. We yeah, uh, we're we're making it happen. Today's uh, so the f- sound. <clears throat> Sorry, go on. I was just going to say, if it sounds weird or strange, uh, then other recordings of Dragon Talk, yeah. that is in fact why I think Ryan uh, Marth would make sure that we say that. Uh, but what were you going to say? Today's the first day that I showered before four o'clock. Wow. Uh, you get a point of inspiration for that. Thank you. It's Maybe really go, hard. Can... Working from home is weird. It is strange. I did, I'm going to be honest and say there was one day where I just didn't shower at all. I was just I like, mean, meh. I'm just not going to do it. Kind of missed that window. <laughs> exactly. I actually uh, put it on my calendar because I were recording today. So I yeah. obviously wanted to shower. <laughs> I didn't want to like forget. So I actually put a note on my calendar like, go take your shower now. It's important. Clean it up, girl. That's right. Uh, we've been following a lot of uh, advice on people about working from home, about all the things that you need to do in order yeah. to, 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 to keep the momentum of work going. And, and uh, I think so far it's been good. I've been doing a lot of calls from this exact location Me uh, too. with members of the D&D team and people yeah. at Wizards. And it's been, it's been a challenge, but it's been uh, one that we, I think, have done pretty well with. I think so. I miss seeing people because I, I actually really do like our team. Um, but I also, I think in this time when there's a lot of chaos and uncertainty and people are home, it's it's nice to think that like, Maybe people are using the our games as a way to make themselves feel more comfortable or to escape some of the madness or it's just like a nice way to just 
settle in with your family and mm-hmm. we're not going anywhere for a while. So I don't know. And playing some me, games gives me some comfort way to do that. Yeah. To think yeah. like, Hey, you know what? We're, we're actually making things here that, that people are, are probably finding real useful at this time. I know. When we were talking about uh, being in this uh, phase, I was like, my house is uniquely equipped uh, to be able to deal with uh, four individuals uh, needing to spend time with each other and, and keeping it going. And this, this game room is one of the game. venue, but we have lots of other areas within the house that are all about games and books and, and uh, uh, screens and things like that to be able to watch uh, some entertainment as well as uh, communicate with each other. So it's all working out really good. Uh, obviously, I know there's a big, um, you know, there's a lot of things that you should be aware of and, and, and be uh, careful of. And, you know, we don't want to make any light of that, but at the same time, um, you know, take some solace and uh, spend some time with your family while you can. Yeah, and try to, to make the most of, of this time. That's what we're trying to do. Lots, right? of, lots of Dungeon Mayhem going on here. I was just going to say, have you played a lot of Dungeon Mayhem? <laughs> oh, yes. It's so, it's just perfect. It's it's portable. It's We just pull it out at any given time. You can play a game in five minutes and then back to the homeschooling. Yes. <laughs> We are all leveling up in our uh, homeschooling skills. I'm going to get so good at first grade math. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to ace it. Third grade math had some things that was like uh, commutative properties of multiplication and stuff, and I was like, "What? I I haven't thought about words like commutative in years." I don't think I've ever thought of it not in relation to multiplication. I don't. I don't. Nope. Nope. But we're learning. Things are happening. Um, yeah. You know, there are a lot of uh, uh, resources and charities out there that are doing great work. But one thing I wanted to highlight from last year was Extra Life. Yes. Uh, we have done a bunch of interviews with uh, folks who donated to my page uh, uh, over the, the last few months. Um, but a couple other folks did donate for the chance for me to read aloud some text. Uh, so I wanted to shout out uh, this one from Brian D. Harrison. I'll give you a little bit more about him in a second. But his. Uh, donation towards Extra Life uh, was about me reading this following text. Here it goes. Okay. My Magic City D&D friends, thanks for sharing these adventures with me. On a flying ice castle to the spine of the world or on an airship to a wizard's ball in Halrua, trading songs with giants, following death into Avernus, you consistently surprise and delight me, upstaging the villains at their own parties, rationalizing morals of life and death, and simultaneously solving plot hooks, chapters before the end, and also never. We may not be a podcast, but at least you get to be on a great podcast. I think he's talking about us. Uh, in Waterdeep and my heart, you are heroes. Heart, love, Brian Danger, DM. Aww. Great! Yay! What a nice message. Thank you, Brian. Uh, And we had a bit of an email exchange. He was talking about how I mentioned going to Bickford's, uh, a coffee shop restaurant in Connecticut where I was growing up. It was a a stalwart just place for my theater friends and I to congregate and drink some coffee and 
uh, not be at our parents' house, essentially. Um, and uh, he's like, oh, yeah, I used to, in this email exchange, he was like, yeah, I used to go to Bickford's. And I was like, hey, which one did you go to? And then he's like, oh, I don't remember. And then he followed up being like, it was this one. It was uh, in East Lyme, Connecticut. I'm like, That's, that was my hometown. That was my Bickford's that he was going to, the one that I went to with my friends for years and years and years. Oh, my God. And you guys could know each other. We could know each other. We could have been I sitting was, in a booth right next to each other. I, I waited tables there for a while. Maybe I actually waited tables on. Who knows? Um, but then the other crazy thing is uh, his connection to upstate New York. When he is, uh, his wife is from Binghamton, and they met what? in Ithaca. Come on. Am I his wife? <laughs> <laughs> is it yes, possible? It's possible. Oh, my uh, God. And now I want to know who she is. What if, what if I know her? I know that's uh, the, the connections that have happened through doing this podcast as well yeah. as just uh, in, in meeting people through Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, it never ceases to amaze me. Especially uh, the so. upstate New York and the Connecticut connections. They that's, are strong. They are strong. Uh, so thank you again, Brian, for donating to the kids. Uh, Thanks, I think that's Brian. awesome. Um, we have a really exciting interview today. We're going to talk oh. to Christina Ariel all about <laughs> The Bachelor. That's right. That's really all. And Vanderpump Rules and the Real Housewives, and maybe some D and D in there. I don't know. I mean, if we have time. Yeah, she's got some uh, an awesome show that she is doing uh, called Veiled Alliance. Uh, we're going to talk all about that as well as uh, you know, uh, generally what it's like to be an awesome mom uh, while having a little little bebe and playing Dungeons oh, and Dragons. Damn, that kid is cute. And actually, very, I think that he may also be making his first appearance on Dragon Talk. <gasps> Are we going to have... I think uh, he's in- going to be on the show. Excellent. I, know. I can't wait. Me too. We're, we'll invite him on. It'll be great. Yeah. In five years' time, uh, we're going to interview him. I am excited also to talk to her because um, she is the 2020 PAX ambassador for Tabletop Gaming. And I'm, I love that, the recognition. And I want to find out more about what that means and how she has, has used that role. Absolutely. I want to be an ambassador one day. You can be uh, an ambassador to The Bachelor. <laughs> can I be on the, the ambassador from the anti-bachelor community? Yes. Uh, you, you could lead that for sure. I'm in the narrative storytelling community. <laughs> well, I don't know why you wouldn't like the bachelor. It's, it's fake and made up. I guess all things are fake and made up. It's, it's in, narrative in storytelling. I guess that's true. It is basically like, uh, what's, the, what's the host name? He's the dungeon Chris master. Chris Harrison. Chris Harrison is the dungeon master of sort our of. hearts. Yeah. <laughs> We have uh, a lot to talk about. A lot to talk about on that front, but there's also so many fun things that D&D has uh, coming out and announcing uh, that we want to make sure you are all aware of. Of course, Explorer's Guide to Wild Mount yes. is going to be in the Wild Mount soon. Uh, <laughs> March 17th, it's the Tuesday after we're recording this, but if you are listening to this over the audio waves of podcast land... It's already out. You could be playing it right now. You could be reading through its wondrous pages. Uh, I believe there's 304 pages of awesomeness within Explorer's Guide to Wildmount, uh, including a gazetteer of the entire continent from Matthew Mercer's uh, world that's been dramatized on Critical Role's second campaign. Um, there's also lots of fun new spells uh, in Dunamancy, as well as... Uh, through three new subclasses uh, that you can jump into um, and, and tons more. So uh, check it out. 
when it comes out next Tuesday. I can't believe it's already on its way and and, and celebration. And as a way to get the word out about what is cool about this uh, new book, uh, we have been running a podcast of Wild Mount uh, promotion. Uh, on the Dungeon Delve podcast feed. Uh, so go check that out. Uh, there have been some fantastic um, uh, creator podcast creators who have been uh, dramatizing one-shots within that world uh, of Wildbound, and uh, it's it's worth checking out. So uh, to find out more about that, go to uh, the Dungeons & Dragons website uh, and go to Podcast of Wildbound, and you'll find uh, information on all the groups there as well as... Um, the episodes that have been released. By the time you listen to this, uh, I think all of them will be out. So uh, check them. Good stuff. Do it. Do it. Do it. Um, I want to give a shout out to uh, Jen Vaughn uh, and Jason Megatron Burroughs for putting together uh, everything on Wildmount. They've been uh, doing a great job and I can't wait uh, to listen to them all. Have you listened to them, Shelley? Shelley? No, not all of them. I'm trying to, to catch up on all my Bachelor finale podcast recaps, so I'll, I will get to them. It's important, I think. It uh, put it in the playlist. We're going to have lots of time to listen to fun podcasts while we're working from home, so do. I, I'm going to put it in my rotation as well. The Bachelor ones? Yes, those. Right, okay. No, no, the podcast of Wildmount. No, also, awesome. uh, Laryl Silverhand's Explorer's Kit. Yay! You'll be able to roll beautiful blue dice uh, into an amazing dice tray and get some tidbits of lore of Waterdeep and all that. That's also out next Tuesday, March 17th. But the one big thing which we have not been able to talk about yet here on this podcast is a recently announced Mythic Odysseys of Theros. Yay! That's this right. This book is coming out on June 2nd. Uh, you can pre-order it now. It is a setting campaign in the Magic the Gathering world of Theros. So similar to uh, Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica, uh, this has all the setting information you need to play a D&D campaign within Theros. And what makes Theros cool? Well, it's inspired by Greek myth. Awesome. It's, it's taken all of the fun stuff of... Uh, oh, is Christina there? Hi, Christina! Yay! <laughs> No worries. I, this is a pre- preview of all the awesomeness that we're about to see. I'm um, sorry. I got just, so excited just now when I saw you. My heart really started racing. <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh-huh. Well, we're excited about uh, Theros uh, because it's all inspired by Greek myths and all the fun stuff uh, that goes in that vein with uh you know, kind of epic storytelling, gods uh, being a part of that world. uh, And I can't wait to jump into it. It's not a a thing that I know a lot about. So over the next few months, we'll be doing some lore you should knows as well as uh, interviews with the creators uh, behind Mythic Odysseys of Theros. But how about those covers? Did you take a look at the covers? Yes. Wow. There's going to be two of them. There's the standard cover. Uh, which is by Jason Rainville, which is fantastic. Uh, and then the alt cover is by Kevin Tong. Uh, you'll only be able to get the alt cover in game stores, of course, uh, on June 2nd. But they are just a breath of fresh air as far as cover art goes, don't you think? So beautiful. Oh, my God, yes. Yes. I love them both. Um, 
And uh, yeah, so that's that. There will also be some some ways for you to get into uh, that over the next few months. But I want to make sure you're you're talking about it. God, yeah, that big the big dragon there for Jason Rainville. Uh, and uh, the God, the alt cover has got like this nice. Oh. It almost looks like um, cosmic uh, Marvel art a little bit, like a Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, it, type it's thing. a little. It's different than than what we usually have. And seeing them side by side, it's really. I just. I think it's so cool. Um, if you don't know what we're talking about, you can, of course, check all that out at DungeonsAndDragons.com. Uh, check on the page that's all about Mythic Odysseys of Theros. Um, I've been playing the latest set of uh, Theros, I think it's called Beyond Death, uh, in Magic Arena. So a lot of the themes and stuff I know about from that, but I'm, I'm excited to delve into getting more. Well, what I was cool about this is um, I was talking to someone who loves magic mm-hmm. and has hasn't gotten into D D fully but her son is a avid uh dungeon master and i said i got this is the campaign for you this is perfect for you guys to start playing and she was super excited that yeah I'm, i can play D D in a magic world sign me up i know and Worlds i love the colliding I mean, and then the whole Greek myth thing too. Oh, I mean, we, love that! We talked so much about that. I mean, there was a phase where Edna and I uh, were reading books on Greek gods, and there's a little bit of terrifyingness in those stories. Like, you know, there's even the whole like Kronos eating the baby thing. Like, uh, this, yeah. it's pretty gross. Um, but it still has this like something that's really uh, I don't know. There's a reason why those stories have endured for you know more than three thousand years right just because there's something that you latch onto, and so i think even dramatizing that little bit and then bringing that flavor into your um D campaign even if you don't want to play in that setting um there's a lot of stuff within there that can you know you can use in your game totally it's, it's awesome cool beans yeah. like again we'll be talking more about that uh in the months to come um but one thing that we will always go back to which is What's in the D&D 5th edition player's handbook? And for this uh, next segment, me and Jeremy Crawford sat down uh, when we were still in the office uh, and discussed uh, some things you may not know about uh, or, or just you know might have skimmed over the first few pages of the player's handbook, but actually have really important rules uh, to keep in mind. And so me and Jeremy talked about that for a segment of Sage Advice, which we are going to throw ourselves to right now. <laughs> That was me throwing myself. (laughs) (laughs) We just got thrown. Welcome to another segment of Sage Advice. This is the segment where me, Greg Tito, talks to Jeremy Crawford. Hi, everyone. Uh, About some fun rules that you want to know about that you may not realize are in the books that you have read a thousand times. Uh, That's not what all Sage Advice segments are about. That's what this one is about. Uh, So Sage Advice is uh, where we get into talking about uh, all the different rules and what they are, as well as the philosophy behind them, uh, both advice at the table as well as uh, around the game itself. Um, So, yeah. There are so many rules that are within our, our our books that many people ask questions about that you're just like, hey, it's right here. <laughs> Check it out. Um, so, and so, so this segment is just going to be me reading the player's handbook. <laughs> yes, reading comprehension 101. Page, we're going to start on page five. Okay. Introduction. No. <laughs> <laughs> 
no, no. I thought I thought it would be great for us to, and we could potentially do this as a series. Just take the core rule books and start paging through them, and just see what is it. What is in here that is a gem that people often forget. We might even sometimes forget that they're there. Yeah. I, I honestly occasionally will come by something that I even wrote, and we're like, oh. Oh, That's right. helpful. Yeah. I could have used that yesterday. <laughs> Thank you, Past Jeremy, for, do- <laughs> for doing that. Or, you know, who- whoever else on the team might have done it. Uh, Fantastic. Yeah, that even even those of us working on the game occasionally are like, oh, my goodness, there are treasures in here. And, I mean, we're joking a little bit, but there is definitely a lot of material within these three core rule books that we, re- you know, we reference often, but... When's the last time you read it cover to cover, right? Right. You know, if right. ever, right? So here's a way for us to kind of show what's in there and then play with them and use them, uh, hopefully, in your games going forward. Now, I am, I'm especially excited to do this tour of the Dungeon Master's Guide because more than any of the other three books, that one is wall-to-wall goodies, many of which people don't know are in there. But I thought it would be good for us to start, though, at the beginning, mm-hmm. which is the Player's Handbook. And just see what are some goodies there that people might not know they're there. Uh, Even if they have read them before, might not remember how they actually work. Uh, And maybe you and I will even discover something where, again, we're like, whoa. Yeah, I didn't even know that was there. Yes. So I'm not going to start reading the book aloud. This is not audible. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Though I've been asked before if we could do a... An audible version of the PH. I would love to have a story time with uh, Jeremy Crawford just to listen to your voice. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I, d- do you know back in college, I actually did do, uh, for a while, one of my part-time jobs is I did do some audio versions of uh, some of Shakespeare's plays. Oh, wow, really? Yeah, where I, I went through and read you know, the whole play, doing every character, and I even had voices for different characters. Sweet. I sure hope no one finds those tapes. <laughs> we have, we, we, I think we've got a future side project. Uh, <laughs> I'll read the stage directions. <laughs> you read all the characters. <laughs> we'll do it. So, so yes, I, I have done it, but it was many, many years ago. Exuant with a bear. Yes, yes. <laughs> well done, sir. And, I, by the way, I love torturing uh, Philip, my husband, by saying that. Uh, but only about one person exiting because Philip uh, for many years was a set designer so has spent years working on the stage and it drives him insane because exuant refers to multiple people exiting the stage. <laughs> so that is that is some high-level theater nerdery. Right. And so I love to poke him by, like, there'll be one person in a situation, and, I'll, and I will just refer to that one person as exuant pursued by a bear. <laughs> and, he's, and he's like, no, it's multiple people. <laughs> that, that is some, some good banter. Yes, yeah. yes. All right, so... Right in this introduction that I promise not to read in its entirety, we already have some rules. And there are, there's a high-level discussion in the introduction of the player's handbook of things like the D&D multiverse. It even talks about the different worlds that are part of the D&D multiverse. You know, I mean, I can look right here on this page and I see Greyhawk, Dragonlance, Forgotten Realms, Mistara, Dark Sun, Eberron, and more. Yeah. But that's more of the story side of D&D. There's also an overview on like what the heck is a D20, how does advantage and disadvantage work. I'm not going to dwell on any of those things, partly because advantage and disadvantage, which is a juicy rules topic, 
that's delved into later in the player's handbook in greater depth. Mm -hmm. What I want to pause on is actually two rules that are hiding out in the introduction of the player's handbook that don't actually get restated significantly anywhere else in the core books. Mm. Yet, they are important to understand often when you're interpreting many other rules in the game. So I'm not sure even you knew that, that there are two important rules hiding out here in the book's first few pages. I think I want to guess this is... Uh, specific piece general. Oh, ooh, nice. You know it. I do. I've been talking to you for a couple of years. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, the first of those two rules is that specific beats general. And this rule, we've talked about it before on this very podcast, really is important for a person to understand when they start getting into the kind of wondrous forest of different options in the game. Because yeah. they'll read like a general combat rule, and then they'll get to a spell that seems to contradict the general combat rule. And that's why this rule is so important, that the more specific thing always overrides the more general thing if they contradict each other. Uh, We sometimes refer to that uh, as the game being exceptions-based. That we throw that term around a lot, and I'm guilty of this. It's kind of game design jargon that is often meaningless to people who hear it, and that's actually one reason why we don't use that phrase in the book instead saying the sp- specific thing beats the general thing when yeah. they don't agree with each other. And the idea of that is that you know there is, there is what the combat happens or, or, or things that happen within the world, but part of what makes D&D char- classes and characters special is that they get to do things that the other people in the world don't generally get to do, and this is why it's a fun game. Yes. Really. Yeah, it, it, it means, essentially, the game is built to accommodate surprise. Oh, yeah, that's a good uh, way to put it, it too. Uh, that we want to be able to create game mechanics that introduce intentionally something that subverts your expectations. That's one reason why the sort of specific beats general is such an important principle, not only in D&D, but actually in most games. Because there are many card games that have a rule like this. There are many board games that, you know, you'll, you'll read the rule book and at some point there will be this phrase that says, you know, if, if one of the cards that, you know, it might be an adventure board game you're playing where there's an event deck and it says, you know, if, if any of the cards in the event deck ever contradicts a rule in this rule book, the card is right. Yeah. And that is just another example of this principle of the more specific thing beats the general thing so the game can surprise you. There is a game called Flux, which is essentially specific beats general the game. <laughs> yes. That's the entire yes. concept behind yeah, it. Exactly. Uh, uh, I'm glad you thought of that. Uh, and it, it, I just recently was going through uh, my absurdly large board game collection <laughs> and came across uh, my copy of Cthulhu Flux. Yes. And yeah, they, they flavored it in many, many, many different ways. But in, in general, it is just the fact that whatever card is on the table is the rules that are in effect right now. Yeah. And it is, that is actually one of the hallmarks of modern games. This is as opposed to uh, like ancient games like chess where the game has surprise built in. Yeah. The, this thing that will pop up that says that rule you thought you knew – well, I'm going to change it, or I'm going to completely ignore it. You know, and, and here, this, the speaker is this little is this rule that just popped up and, yeah. and changed the state of things. But in some, I mean, not to derail, but in some ways, chess it does have exceptions. With the knight is the only only piece that can jump over other pieces. Yes, and 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 such. You know, ca- kings can castle, and that breaks. 
the general rule that you can't move two pieces in, during one turn and things like that. Yeah, so yeah. over time, those rules, I mean, and the whole history of chess is a fascinating subject uh, yeah. in, uh, into itself and in that it isn't a, a game that was just designed and done. It's been something that's been modified and changed and had many editions over the years and there were many fights over which edition was the better one. Uh, chess edition wars. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> all right, I, f- I feel like we just got another Sage Advice topic. Yeah. Uh, all right, yeah. yes. Uh, the, uh, what's the second rule that's in can, the introduction? Can here? you see what it is? No, I can't. Do you, what's your guess? I want to see if you're. If you're I, I if did you so well. Away. I don't want to take another stab. So this next one is not as important from sort of a high level game design standpoint, but it is still really important, and it is amazing how many people don't know it's here. And that is the rule that if you ever have a fraction in D anD D, you round down. Pretty much every single unearthed arcana we release, if we have any kind of calculation. Uh, in it that involves that that can result in a fraction, someone will ask us, "Do I round up or round down?" Uh, showing and showing this is actually why I refer to this rule being hidden, because that playtest feedback shows to me a lot of people don't know this rule is here, yeah. and we put it here because we thought, "Oh, this means we won't have to say it over and over and over again." Frankly, this is one of those things where if I could do it over again, I might just have a say round down every single time we mean for you to do it. Because no. we, we honestly don't put you in the situation of, of producing a fraction that often. Um, and usually when you create a general rule, you want it to be about something that's coming up a lot. And I think our game is actually good at sort of shielding you from fractions so well that actually having this as a general rule is sometimes not actually that helpful. I see. Uh, yeah, and it is a change, though, too. That's the other thing, is that previous editions... So fourth edition, also, you rounded down. Right, but third, you didn't. I don't remember, actually. I think you rounded up. Which, I'd, I'd or, have to go or there, were, or there were some cases you'd rounded up and some cases you rounded down. Mm-hmm. So I think the level of confusion you might be... Experience with people is just that addition problem more. Right. Like people are, 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 and we've talked about this before on Sage Advice, how people think there's a rule that's there but is actually from four editions ago. Right, right. Plus, I don't expect anyone, especially if they're brand new to D&D, to come to this big book and to, like when they think, all right, so this game that's about like dragons and I can play a fighter or a wizard or a cleric or something else and dwarves and elves... I bet there's a rule in the introduction of the book about fractions. fractions. <laughs> yes. So I don't blame anyone for you know for for missing this, uh, and 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 I dwell on it because actually it just sort of to, I often liken these segments to sort of give people a view behind the curtain. Yeah. This is probably something that it, you know if I could do it over again, I I you know I'm I am the one who put this here on this page. I'm like, well, maybe I, you should have just I, copy and pasted it and yeah, put it just, in a few. Instances where refractions would actually occur, like in multiclassing and things like yep. that. Yep. Yeah, exactly. All right. The thing is, is we even do tell you in some places, so like we remind we, you. Yeah. yeah. So we're we're not even uh, consistent. Where sometimes we remind you, and then other times we don't. Well, we're reminding you now. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Round down, everybody. Uh, yes. Uh, if if the game if the game doesn't tell you, uh, you know, to round up and and is silent about whether you round down, well, then round down. Makes sense to me. All right, so that's it for rules uh, in the book's introduction. Look at this. We yeah. made it through the introduction. Sweet. I think we've got time for maybe like one or two more if you want to uh, pull them out. All right, so 
Chapter one of the player's handbook, step-by-step characters. This is telling you how to make your character. This has a number of rules in it. Most of them we can fly right over because many people, once they've played D&D even once, it, this, this stuff just is right, gets right into their bones. You know, they, they get introduced here to their, their character's ability scores, choosing a class, choosing a race. Uh, they, you get introduced to the concept of proficiencies, but then mm-hmm. we hit the proficiency bonus rule. Now, this is a rule that appears again later in the player's handbook, but we make sure you know right away, here's how the proficiency bonus works. Mm-hmm. It's this number you get to add whenever you make a roll for something that you're proficient in, but also both here and then in the section later in the book that you're pointed to, you, you're told, and this is crucial, sometimes people forget it, you can never add your proficiency bonus to a roll more than once. Mm. Uh, so if, if let's say you're in a situation, uh, and I don't know if you knew this, let's say you have proficiency with uh, the piano and you also have proficiency in the performance skill and you're doing a piano performance. Right. Do you get to add your proficiency twice? You do not. Well, this is a rhetorical question because yeah. I already told you the answer. You did already. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you do not, uh, except if you're a rogue. Well, then, yes, if you have expertise, then you get to double it. But that's that specific beat general. Yes, exactly. Uh, and so, but I know there are people who, uh, because they might have missed this rule, would think that in that situation they get to add their proficiency bonus twice. What if you're using your thieves' tools that you're proficient in to play the piano that you are performing <laughs> to persuade someone in order to, uh, you know, I don't know, I'm, I'm losing my own thing. But yeah, no, there's no, there's no concept where you can continually add things based on how good you are because of a combination of skills. Right, exactly. Yeah, unless you have some special ability like the rogue's expertise, your proficiency bonus gets added to the roll just once. And this was a, I mean, a, a really smart addition to the game for 5th edition because it, uh, and just the proficiency bonus in general, in that it was a really good way to model uh, uh, advancement for every single character class out there. Yes. Yeah, and that, that was a, I, I can still remember the, when the light bulb uh, went off over the head of Rodney Thompson, who was a member of the design team at the time. Shout out to Rodney. Yeah, he had, he had the, the great idea of unifying the sort of proficiency progression. And uh, we explored it, and it turned into a very, a very important piece of character progression. Yeah, because in the past, you'd have characters who, you know, the wizard would get better at certain things, and the wit fighter would get better at certain things. And it was very difficult to keep that all centered, but this is just one single rule. Every class gets their proficiency bonus and it updates through level. And basically it's the one major thing that changes throughout leveling up. And that also made it possible for us to predict much better where the game's math was going to go uh, over the course of those 20 levels of play. Right. Uh, knowing, all right, this number has this fixed range. Uh, and so that actually then helped us solve some other problems uh, behind the scenes uh, in the design. Excellent. Now, here in, the, here in the character creation chapter, I would say the most missed rule, not only in this chapter, but actually one of the most missed rules in this entire book wow. is lurking here. And that's on us. We, we presented it in a way 
it's almost too matter of fact. Like there are times sometimes where where we will be a little too casual about how we write a rule. Like we need to like to like you know ring bong, some bong, bells, bong, yes. bong, bong, listen to this heading, 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 yeah. Yeah. clash some symbols. Look like, here, important, important, because here in this chapter, in the section on choosing your equipment, there is. For any D&D player, especially somebody who's been playing for years, something that seems very prosaic for D&D, armor class. Hiding in this little section on putting together your character's armor class is a crucial rule about armor class in 5th edition. Mm. And that is, if two or more things in the game give you different ways to calculate your armor class, you use only one of them. You do not get to add them all together. Right. Uh, so if you put on a suit of armor, which gives you an armor class calculation, and you're a barbarian who has your unarmored defense ability, you don't get to do both. Right. Uh, or you cast the mage armor spell, you know, etc. There are a variety of things in the game that give you different ways to calculate your armor class. And no matter you know, how many of those different calculations you're given, you always get to use only one. And you get to pick uh, the, the one that you want to use. We assume you're going to pick the best one. Right. I hope you do. Uh, Unless there's a specific story reason you wanted to be like, no, I'm going to use my, uh, my natural armor that's less important, <laughs> right. I guess. But, you know, right. you have that choice. Yeah. 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 Uh, and I had no idea when we were putting together this book that this rule would end up being uh, the snag that it has ended up being. Uh, enough that we now in a lot of our, uh, you know, any Unearthed Arcana in the last few years where we give you a new armor class calculation, we will usually put in now a rule tip that says, hey, if you get more than one AC calculation, you get yeah. to use only one. And I think you and I have even done an entire stage advice segment on yes. armor class calculations yep. because of this very reason. It was one of the impetuses between creating this segment was like, hey, we need to be able to remind people of these lesser known things that we didn't be bang the gong about uh, uh, well enough in the, in the text itself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and it, it's why also in the Sage Advice Compendium, uh, that PDF on our website, yeah. there is a big section I wrote on calculating your armor class because we realized with all the questions we've gotten, this really just sort of cash, hey, this is how you do your AC, see ya, bro. I mean, because we, we were so casual about it. Uh, Follow your bliss, man. Yeah. You know, I, I was just a little too casual when <laughs> putting this rule here. Understood. All right, well, that's, we're on page what right now? We are on page 14. Page 14, and we've already covered four specific things that people uh, may have overlooked uh, throughout their career with uh, D&D 5th edition. So. And, and in fact, we know they have given uh, the questions I see every week on Twitter. Uh, like, it's funny. The three things we've talked about just at the very beginning of the PH, yeah. over five years into the edition, still trip people up. Well, we're excited to uh, use this segment to just you know, remind you of these things, uh, and uh, hopefully through that we'll, we'll get less of those questions, but you never know. Uh, so, I, you know, it's, it's funny. I've gotten to the point where the, uh, the frequency of those questions, rather than it feeling like a drag to me, I more and more see the silver lining in it because it's a sign that our community is constantly growing. That's a very good point, right? And, and so we have people who are brand new to the hobby coming uh, you know, every week. 
And so occasionally, you know, people will ask, oh, God, Jeremy, if, if you had it, uh, or even, you know, someone, people on the team uh, will be like, oh, my gosh, this question again. And for me, it's always like, but let's remember, it's because it's awesome. People are coming and want to play D&D. And so it's really just, it's the position anyone who is like a teacher or, you know, is a fan of something and they want to share this thing they love with other people. Part of that is sometimes, yeah, repeating ourselves uh, so that new people can share this hobby with us that we all love. I, I, I couldn't agree more, and it is a testament to the fact that more and more players' handbooks are sold uh, each year that 5th edition has come out, uh, and it is a unique surprise to me every single time I, I, I hear about that statistic, and uh, it points to that, that fact that, like, that people will continually have questions because it hasn't been five years for them. They might have just got their first player's handbook Yesterday, yeah, yeah, yeah. To many people, like this book just came out. Exactly, yeah, because uh, they just discovered it, and we are very, very happy for for those of you who did. Yeah, uh, yeah. excellent. So, Jeremy, for all those questions, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, Jeremy E. Crawford on Twitter. Uh, that that is the best place to reach me. I'm not always uh, able to respond, but as evidenced actually by our conversation here. I read as many of the questions as possible, and even if I don't have a chance to answer them on Twitter, they influence not only my thinking about how we present our rules and where we're headed with the game, but also the teams because I share uh, the insights and also sometimes the questions themselves uh, with other members of the team. And we ponder, you know, what can we do Mm -hmm. uh, in the future to make the on-ramps to our game smoother uh, and to make it even more fun for everybody, you know, once once they're here. And that combined with the playtest data and surveys that we have out there for all the Unearthed Arcana, which you mentioned many times uh, uh, during this this segment. Um, yeah, it's it's just it's a wealth of feedback, and we really appreciate it, and we and we use it. All the time. Excellent. Awesome. Well, thank you. Uh, We'll do this more because, as you said, we've only 14 pages in and we've got a lot more to go in the player's handbook alone uh, to find rules that that are are worth reminding folks about. So thank you very much. We'll be back with more fun stuff uh, coming up on the next segment. Bye, everyone. I feel like I know so much more about both of the things that are in the player's handbook due to talking to Jeremy Crawford. Always. That was a really, really good segment. Good job. I, uh, I am always appreciative of the time I get to spend talking to Jeremy. He's, uh, he's just a great conversationalist. He's super sagey. Uh, do you know who else is a really good conversationalist? Who? Christina Ariel. Yay! Only one of my most favorite people in the whole entire world. Let's call her up and talk all about what is going on in her life. Let's do as it. As well as no bachelor talk. Uh, no problem. I would like to welcome Christina Ariel to Dragon Talk! Yay! Yeah. Hi. I love you, Christina! Wow, that studio audience is kicking. They're huge fans. Huge fans, as am I. Oh my gosh, I'm a big fan of you too. <laughs> I was like, I've literally been looking forward to this like all week. I'm like, oh my god, I get to hang out with Greg and Shelley. Oh my god. <laughs> like, this is the perfect the way to end this very strange week. I could not be happier. 
this week that's been like a year. <laughs> it's been about 45 Seriously. years. Seriously. Seriously. Uh, it's been 85 years. <laughs> Do you remember Monday when school was going on? That was so great. Remember that? Yeah. Remember Wednesday <laughs> when school was still a thing that kids yeah. did? I was so hopeful and young back then. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember uh, well, when speaking we of hopeful teachers? and young, we've got we've got Zeke who's very hopeful and young right there. Oh my god, he little is. Zeke. Zeke is this is Zeke's first podcast slash video vod. Vod slash podcast. Is it really his first? Oh, it's his yes. debut. I've, I'm and honored. Of course, on here, on Dragon Talk, which was his mom's first podcast. So, what? It's very, very apropos. Or, already following in mom's footsteps. Very, I know. He's much cooler and much better hair. He's chill. He's a lot more chill than you are. <laughs> his hair is incredible. He thinks he grew it himself. He's always, and he always had it. He was born with. Lovely locks. Greg Tito. Everyone was like, it's going to fall out. They were like, oh my God, your baby will have hair, but it'll fall out. And I'm like, yeah. no, it just keeps like now. And he like twirls it around his finger when oh. he's frustrated. He like lays down and twirls his hair around his finger. That's and then so he good. pulls mine, but he twirls his. And I'm like, yeah, you're rude. Tito, <laughs> did you have, were you born with, with a good head of hair? Because I feel like I can't ever even picture you as a bald baby. I don't. I don't remember actually. I think there's some baby pictures of me uh, with nothing on it. I think I was like Fiona, nothing on. where Fiona was born with a whole bunch of hair and then did lose it and then was pretty bald for like two years. Really, it wasn't until honestly we were here in Seattle. You could still like her early pictures. She still has like really super short hair when she's like three years old. Um, and, it, and now it's she's got hair like mine. So I think she she got my hair genes in that way. Yeah, I don't. I don't can't imagine a bald Tito. No. Did all. you have hair? Shelly Matsunobu? I had so much hair. Like, so much hair that the nurses tried to, like, put bows in it. They didn't know how to control oh. it when I was just born. It was it was a tremendous head of hair. Mine was just like his, so it's just kind of par for the course. Yeah. It's good stuff. So what's up, what's up guys? Well, hey, there's a lot it. going on. I have something that I think we need to address immediately um, from your bio that you provided for this show. Um, you refer to yourself as the second foremost expert on the Real Housewives and Vanderpump rules after me, after myself. And I, I actually don't think that's true. Um, I do know a lot about the Housewives, but I, I don't know nearly as much about Vanderpump rules. And I can't in good faith call myself an expert. I'd say that you know we are what? jointly the the experts here. I think if we're referring to this garbage season, you aren't missing much. Except like the wedding that never ends. They're getting married in a hey castle in Versailles. In Versailles, Kentucky. <laughs> Not Versailles. Versailles. Uh, Versailles. <laughs> I think it, that, that is just like a, an elephant in the room for me. I have to just address that. I don't, I'm not the expert. I'm really not. But I, I the, but you like blog about it. I like on the just obsessively watch and passive aggressively complain. Yeah, no, I like to to voice my complaints in a, a, in an online setting. With I just like to voice my complaints about it in general to you too. About You're how just terrible. Out. It is. You're missing out. But you still, but you still know enough to participate in the conversation. So I therefore, mean, it's a it's it's around me and that my wife watches and I see some of the things and I know that there was some consternation about a certain uh, finale, but that's about it. Listen, my husband and I was talking to him the other day and I was like, guess what happened on The Bachelor? And he's like, 
I don't care. And I was like, so Barb was sitting in the audience and they did like a close up cam and he's like, who? And I'm like, right? <laughs> and I'll just keep talking to him about like what's going on with The Bachelor. And he's like, you know yeah. that I do not care. I was like, I live alone except for you. You have to care. It's your job. It's part of the vows. It is. I will it's part of the facilitate vows. my wife and her garbage television, and she will say nothing during football season. So pretty much, uh, yeah. It's um Bart. Bart um, conversely will actually like try to be involved. He doesn't watch anything, and then he'll drop down in the finale or something. He'll be like, "Okay, so who's that?" I'm like, "No." No, we're not starting from the beginning. I'm not giving you any commentary on these people. No. Oh, my gosh. I will give him that he is finally, like, starting to show some interest when I talk about Dungeons & Dragons. And, like, because, listen. He doesn't play d d No. Oh, I thought he, I don't know. I just assumed. I wish I could show you. Like, if you look, this is my half of, like, our garage space. Like, it's all nerd paraphernalia. You look on his side, it's, like, Notre Dame football and tools. And so, <laughs> tools. But when people come in, when people come in, they're like, oh, my gosh. Like, look at all of this nerd stuff. And they start asking him about it. And he's like, what are you talking about? It's, like, it's not his not his jam at all. That's, like, all. He also, he put the baby in a Spider-Man onesie with Black Panther pants. That is Who a clash you do not do. Who d- he did that today, and it has today. a magic onesie. Today? I had to change his clothes, and I was like, I was like, we're gonna be on Dragon Talk today, and you put that baby in some Spider-Man pants How or dare some you? Black Panther pants with a Spider-Man onesie. Look, even he's smirking at the nonsense. <laughs> oh, he's dad. like, Dad, you don't know. It's like mom's gonna be so mad at you. <laughs> <laughs> What's he wearing now? A Chewbacca. That's why. That's amazing. More appropriate. Uh, and so it's that is funny that you have been you know getting him up on the D and D stuff since that's essentially you know your whole deal now Life. is playing D and D on these on these streams. We've got one really cool show, uh, Veiled Alliance. Yes, the rise of the Veiled Alliance on LFM underscore network on twitch what twitch.tv forward slash lfm underscore network yeah. <laughs> Yay. i love that I'm you s- use forward slash that's dating yourself <laughs> i like to say backslash but i was at actually i was flying back from pax and i was in the american lounge because if you buy if you pay for a day pass in the american lounge you can go and you can drink for free oh yeah and there was this dude that I talked to who turns out, I start, he's like, oh, what do you do? And I was like, oh, I'm a streamer. I play Dungeons and Dragons and da, da, da. And he's like, I used to play Vampire the Masquerade and I was a LARPer. And turns out this dude is like diehard, had all of this information. And we ended up like exchanging and he's like, oh, Twitch, what is this? And I like got him and I'm like, this is D&D and this is da, 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 da. And he was like super like into it. But I said like, I was like, oh, it's twitch.tv backslash. And he goes, you mean forward slash? <laughs> so like, like okay you know what it was in my head still so i went with it but listen and it's so funny because i was like oh like you must be like a tech guy and he's like no i'm actually a doctor who does cancer research and I'm like, oh it's like oh, we need you right now. okay <laughs> he did he's like and he was like he wouldn't call it coronavirus he was like covid19 oh yeah and uh, like he he did it very like on the nose glasses up yeah 
it's like, oh, I thought you were like a nerd and like the not that sense, but okay, it's cool. Oh, well, hopefully now he's a viewer. Now he's going to be watching your antics on uh, uh, the LFM network. Oh my gosh, it's so fun. Uh, so Donathan Fry is our DM, and I like. I've done streams from home, but I've never had one where like the overlays change and like he does it. So it's like you're one-on-one in the comic. Like if he's talking to one character, like there's a scene with one character, he's just with that character. And then he'll like bring in two and it's like this smooth transition. And I'm like super excited about it. Like I'm just having a lot of fun. It's Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. But like, it's just such a, I've never, I never played Dark Sun. So to be in this setting and he like adapted Dark Sun for 5e. Mm-hmm. And so it's like you've got psionics, but then you also have like when you have engagements instead of like, oh, I'm going to roll charisma. Like it's like a, a full encounter, like a full battle. Like, but you're it's like a I'm, I can't think I'm like, I've got mom brains. So I don't know any of these terms right now, but like there's like a whole setup where it's like a battle where you're trying to like, oh, like. I'm going to try and convince you of this and this little like dance. And that's your like initiative situation. It's really cool. That is cool. I love dark sun as a setting. It's got so much of the fun post-apocalyptic stuff. Yeah. Uh, that, uh, and it's, it's like, it's like D and D, but on like weird mode. Yeah. With, like the, the halflings are, uh, uh, cannibals. Uh, essentially, and and they're like, oh, I thought, you know, they were all about food and growing. I'm like, well, they still are about food. It's just different. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm I also know, reading so. the Pinhead Prism again, so I'm like super excited about. Oh, it. cool! Oh, yeah, I just read that. It's on my bookshelf over there somewhere. Uh, I read the first one in that um, that illustrated a lot of what made Dark Sun cool. The narrator for the Audible one, though, I have it like I got it on my Kindle and I got it on Audible to hear the guy tell the story in this amazing voice. Just talk about, but I like to put it at like two times the speed, just so like (laughs) he sounds like he's like I don't know, like like he's super excited to tell you about this. It's like oh my gosh, look, they're in the pits. I love it so much. It's so great. It's like the micro machine guy. Ah. So I'm spoiler for the first episode because I'm super excited. I'm like all talking, whatever. But you've had conversations with <laughs> That's me. That's what you're here goes. for. So in the first episode, there's like this whole situation with like a kraken coming up out of the water, and we're on this boat that's like owned by my grandfather. And I'm like, oh my gosh! Like they're like everyone's like, I guess they're expecting you to like engage in battle and like to go and like he's setting everything up for us to like go fight, and then like they bring on the turtle. So mythmatic who uh his name is cord he plays a tortle named cronkwall who is i promise you if you watch this or listen to it it is he is fantastic he's like cronkwall's eye (laughs) so cute so i'm like calling like oh my god the tortle and instead of engaging a battle wall like all of my friends like people i've known my entire life are being ripped off of the boat i throw the tortle in a skimmer and we like haul ass and leave nice Instead of engaging in battle, because I was like, nah. Nah. No, I'm not going to do it. Sometimes, you know, like, you ever been in a battle and, like, everyone's, like, expecting you to go and fight, and you're like, no, I'm good. I don't want to. Yeah. It's my biggest fear as a dungeon master. (laughs) That someone will say no. Yes. Like, I just assume, like, this is what's going to happen, obviously, and then they, they don't do it. 
think that's kind of cool, though. Well, that's like that's why you're a good dungeon master. That or if they use diplomacy instead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my favorite. Be- just being able to take like the the situation and turn it on its heel, and then you're like, oh wait, I can do something completely different now. So, just like you have to do with kids. Yes, you have to always be ready for eyes open, bottle in mouth. It's it's all about making it. Oh, I want a bottle now. I just want this kid's life. Just, to, just, I just want someone just to just take care of everything. Specifically, Christina, I just want to have uh, a, a harness and hold on. And yes. Get some hugs. I saw a thing. The they had a friend of mine went to a like a mom convention, like a, one of those baby convention things, and they oh. had a giant like adult sized ergo for moms to sit in to see like what the baby is feeling. And oh my god! Was like, oh my gosh! Like it was, was actually it just- super comfy. I hope so. Yeah, otherwise, I got this kid, like, all, like, spread eagle in this little thing. No, they're, they're, like, they, they've got no tendons. They're just gummy. They, oh, look at that little. Oh, my God. <gasps> oh, I see. Hi, Hi big guys. guys. Hi, guys. Hi, Zeke. Oh, he's like, I'm awake now. Who are these people? <laughs> I told What's him, I was like, on? you're going to work with mom today in the, <laughs> in the Oh, you it's, it's work from home day every day. I see his little Chewbacca outfit. Tell that's what it is. That's a much better outfit. Yeah. Right? Spider-Man and Black Panther outfit. It's crazy. Right. So tell us about your character that you're playing on this new show. Because you always create some very interesting cool characters. I'm assuming this is no exception. Um, well, I have part snob, part creeper. So she kind of like has these fugue states where she goes from Akasha of House Sereno. She is a cleric. She works on the high council advising. And then she's also Laguerre. She sneaks into the city and she's, she's an elf. She's got jeweled ears. She's fantastic. She's got braids. She's kind of purple, but (laughs) she like sneaks into town and like has this like, alternate identity and she has like her own little hidden house that she does and just kind of to get away and it's very princess jasmine ish i dig it so but she um encounters all of these other characters uh we also have sam delive who plays marilla we have toby osmond who is rysar there's there's only four of us and then of course cord who plays the tortle but uh, Toby was on Game of Thrones. He played the Prince of Dorne on Game of Thrones. Nice. He's, a, he's got the, one of those great character voices. I won't do it because I don't know if it's like offensive to like do someone's English accent when you're terrible at it. But he's, I don't know, he's pretty good. <laughs> you only, well, <laughs> you're tempted there a little bit. Yep. <laughs> I thought about it and then I was like, mm. I being a jerk, maybe. You know what? I how do you deal with? I have this thing, and I realize that it's actually. Uh, I've seen other people kind of talk about it, but like when people are talking in an accent, I will subconsciously imitate their accent back to them in conversation. <laughs> oh. How do you deal with that during a D and D campaign? It's hard. <laughs> like it is hard because you want to be like. Cheerio, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Top of the morning to you. And it's like, especially if you're engaging in a conversation with this character. And he's like, and he says my character's name. Like, I'm like, Akasha, because I'm from the South. So it's like, Akasha. But he's <laughs> like, I talked to Akasha. And it's like all sophisticated. Like, everything he says is sophisticated. And you're like, just narrate my life, dude. Just come narrate my life. Yeah. It's cool. 
<laughs> but it's hard to like talk to him and not be like, I understand. Chim chimney, chim chimney. I'll be Mary Poppins, but like, it's so bad. It's so bad. Punting on the Thames. <laughs> Thames. <laughs> So did you know these players before you started playing together? Or is this a brand new group to you? Um, I'm new to everyone but Sam. Uh, they're in my circle a lot. They do a lot of um, D&D games. And they're on, um, what what is it? Callisto 6 and Shield of Tomorrow. Lots of them. So I think you've met them at D&D Live. They're fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, but we've been seeing him a couple of times. Other than that, like everyone is new. Uh, Tia Zimmer is our, like, she's our producer and handles everything. So I don't see her face, but I do get to interact with her, like the man behind the curtain who's not nice. a dude. <laughs> she's the dark wizard, uh, dark elf wizard. She is, like, making all the transitions, like, which. She's totally being like Gromf. I dig it. I dig it. Grump Banre. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah, I know. I remember she was really excited about assembling this uh, this cast, and it sounds like it's been uh, it's been fun to play with. I like to uh, think I'm the Iron Man. Totes. <laughs> yeah, uh, and that makes what does that make Zeke if if, <laughs> if you're Iron Man? Uh, Spider Man. Yeah. yeah, technically. Or, or, Chewbacca? I don't know. It's a crossover episode. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, How many episodes are you guys in on on Veiled Alliance? We are four, and then we do... um, We didn't have an episode this week, but we did the Unveiled Alliance, which is kind of a a deep dive. Tia sat down with Donathan and kind of like went through everything, and they broke down the stories and what we've kind of... Everything that's happened thus far. I'm just having a lot of fun with it because i haven't really done a stream for a while it's like i've just had my home game really because you know had a human but it's it was a nice thing to come back to and just i don't know a new kind of setting and getting used to the fact it's like there's no like water as a commodity and all of these different things and i don't know i just like it a lot that's cool. Yeah, I mean, that's the reason why I asked is because it's you know you guys are early on in right. So if folks are looking for something new to jump into, uh, this is the perfect opportunity because you know there's not like thousands of hours of content that you have to watch in order to feel like you're caught up. You got you got four episodes, and you said you could also listen to it too, right? Yeah, we have the first episode is up on Spotify under, oh, uh, nice. and then we also have we're on YouTube, so you can watch it there, and it's. I don't know. Do it. Like, watch the thing and listen to it because everybody's cool. And I don't know, like, characters die in Dark Sun. So you never know. You might invest in my character and then they die. (laughs) How would you feel about that? How do you handle character death? You know what? I think, I'm trying to think of any character. I've only had really one character die and it was like in a 10 candles game so i kind of like was prepared for it mm. but i don't think i'm emotionally prepared like i remember ariza almost died on my birthday because Satine was like i'm gonna make she's like don't worry your character won't die it's your birthday and then <laughs> i ended up like rolling <laughs> death saves. it's like so hurtful 
Yeah, you can't control what the math rocks tell you. Well, technically, we were in Avernus, <laughs> so I guess I was dead. What are you doing? What are you doing with your life? He's looking. He's rooting. <laughs> He's like, ah. Such a funny Get kid. Up. Um, yeah, so uh, I'm, I'm excited for to jump in. I haven't I haven't seen anything yet, but I think I get in four episodes of some Dark Sun funness is what I'm going to sign up for. You should get into it, Greg Tito. Support for us, real. love us. When you guys were were putting this together, what sort of prep did you and the dungeon master do together? Like, did you did he give you any advice for your character, or did you have to run certain things by by him? We did like an, a proper session zero. Like everyone sat down together and worked on it and talked about it. And I think that was kind of a good. I loved having a session zero, so you kind of know like what people's hard limits are. We discussed all of that. Like, what are you okay with? What aren't you okay with? And with the character, he went through with each person, and it was like, okay, look. What do you feel about the character? Like, what are this character's flaws, their weaknesses? And we actually sat down and had, like, a conversation about it. Like, what do you see for them? And I was like, I see my character with three creepy dolls that she talks to all the time. And oh, my God. So when she's Laguerre, she has these three dolls. And she's like, and she whispers to them, like, it's a very creepy situation that I love because I love playing, like, someone that scares people. But, That's cool. But the dolls, so I was I was like, oh, I want to get some custom dolls, but they're actually adipose from Doctor Who. <laughs> so you only see, like, the back of them. But they're pretty... Actually, you know, um, Maz made them. Oh, oh, I love Maz. Maz made them for my um, birthday last year. So I still had them, and I was like, oh, I'll use these, but I just won't show the front. And then somebody... Hi, Quinn. Somebody in chat was like, look, it's bring your kid to Dragon Talk Day. (laughs) I just realized that you had your headphones on and he didn't hear anything I said. I know. That's okay. What? Oh, the adipose. Okay, I'm looking those up now. I'm not a a Doctor Who fan, so I I was like, what are those? And they they look really cool. They're little pieces of fat because there was this lady who was, uh, these aliens came up with this like fat, this like burn off your fat and they're like it just melts off and runs away so it literally would melt off and like it would be in the window and be like <laughs> and like oh waving God. at them oh i, I want to visualize my fat sloughing off like that and, and, saying, and waving later, waving to you and jumping and out a window it's into the street. friendly fat yeah like an avocado <laughs> and if you come and give them a hug do they like then reabsorb into your belly no they like are actually little aliens and that's the people's way of getting them into this space is like, oh, like here's the, sorry, I have to plug my computer in for just a second. No I'm woefully unprepared. <gasps> I see you. <gasps> we got a close up. We got a close up. I see you, baby boy. He loves FaceTime. I'm face ready time. for my close up. He loves FaceTime, mm-hmm. so it's totally okay. He's like, oh, what's happening? He knows it's just going to be real used to having screens in his face. Oh, I'm sure. Who are these crazy podcast hosts all about? We take we turn everything off and just like read books. I found the my husband bought this book the other day where like it's about dinosaurs, but you can feel the dinosaurs. They have like this little material so you can kind of rub on them. I like that. And it's so cool because he's like, mm-hmm. he's scratching that instead of my face. So, oh yeah, it's a positive All the dinosaurs hair. <laughs> I dig it. So what's it been like? I mean, I know we we uh, have had lots of parents play D&D before, uh, but I think you have the unique situation of being 
you know, on a bunch of, uh, of D&D shows and being in the public sphere while making a small baby human child. And also, so, I played while I was pregnant at D&D Live, so that was fun. Yep, yep. That was the uh, hard two hours. What kind of advice can you give (laughs) to all of those out there who want to keep doing their fantasy storytelling in their life while having, you know, uh, a real life event like this? Um, You can really hone your storytelling by like talking to your kid in crazy voices and like telling (laughs) stories. I've learned that's quite fun. Um, I'm I'm very fortunate that I have like a, a partner who's very understanding of the fact that I'm like, I'm still going to play because not only is it my job, it is my hobby, and I really enjoy it. So he's been super supportive in that, right? And so I still like it. I go to my home game, and he like turned this area into a studio so I can like have in laws come and sit in the house with the baby while I'm out here like recording. And I've got like this little studio set up, which work. I think, especially given this current situation, it's tray convenient to like have your little setup in your house where you can stream from. And I think like having those means to be able to play from home makes it a lot easier to parent and still be able to play. Right. And I love it though. Did you find after becoming, well, you've been a mom for, for a long time, five years, five years. So having Zeke, did you find that your play style changed or like things you, your comfort level with things happening in the game changed at all. I say this note because I have, I have turned so soft since (laughs) becoming a mom that there's a lot of things that bother me now that just did not bother me before that. I just, I get, I'm I'm super sensitive to, to violence really. I've added one of the things in like in game when people are like, Oh, like what are your hard limits about the, I've added like violence against children is something that I just cannot stomach. And there's people that will like, I stab the kid or I punt the kid across the room. And I I can't like even, no, I I can't like that. Make that part is really hard because, and I think it's also made me not empathize more, but I feel like motherhood has hardened me. And I was already pretty hard. (laughs) <laughs> like, you feel like you're more protective of yeah. the party or of your characters I could see that well actually in a way I feel like I've kind of said fuck my party more <laughs> because like, <laughs> like I'm going to do what's right yeah like I'm going to do the thing but also like mm, like I don't want to fight I'm just going to chill I'm going to be over here in the cut you guys do what you're going to do I'll be over here chilling yeah mm. yeah I Yes, in real life, I find that I'm less adventurous because I am somebody's mom. But I was just thinking now, I don't think I've ever played a character that's a mom. Have either of you ever played a character that's a parent? No. I've only really used that trope of being, you know, uh, having been estranged from your parents or something like that, right? I think there's like a strong thing for that uh, in the game. And uh, I love that idea, though, of being able to play against type and having, you know some type of a, you know, obviously a fatherly or a motherly character, I think would be really fascinating to play. I think so too. Especially if like your, your child was part of the game. Like you're not just like a a mom or a dad out on this adventure, but they're actually with you 
and having to yeah. keep them safe as well as whatever else is happening in the game. That sounds, that sounds hard. stressful. I don't like it. Like I play D and D to escape from this. I don't think I want to do this. I feel like, especially uh, given like my anxiety level now, yeah. I don't think I could like. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Like, imagine, like, look at this dude. He's, like, grabbing the microphone and stuff. Imagine him trying to, like, grab somebody's wand or, like, attack. <laughs> I accidentally cast a spell. Don't touch the wand of wonders. Oh, no. And I'm pretty sure he's, like, a paladin of some sort. I think it would be really fun to play with a another player who is playing as the, the child. Because... That's a whole headspace and a character thing that people don't get to dramatize too often. Yeah. And it would remove the like, you know, the DM's fiat about controlling the, the, the child. I think it might be really fun to to play with that. I think so. I think you could do that. It would still make me real nervous. Yeah. I mean there's uh, too much like real life. Cause think about how emotional you'd be if like you got into a situation. Like even if it's like somebody playing your child, like that oh i can't do it can do it yeah i mean but to answer your question Shelley, i mean there was definitely a lot of stuff that i thought was i was fine with you know as far as violence out there or what not even just violence but just like you know subject matter he's like gonna totally choke you <laughs> that's awesome he's a little funny <laughs> he's like I, 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 these uh these cords minox chewing on the power cables it's like red vines <laughs> how about you take this um, thing that's not dangerous yeah, here's a toy. It's, it's made for. He's like, they never want he's that. He's like chewing the microphone cover too. Just like, <laughs> he's getting those good teething moments happening. Um, but yeah, no, and I think it's a really interesting challenge for a dungeon master and players to come up with something that would uh, be in that vein of something that you want to take care of or or, or foster. Um, and I think that's why I think players want that because that's why. Things like you know domesticating owlbears and, and having pets within the party is such a, 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 a thing that people do is because they want that that care element in the simulation of, of playing Dungeons and Dragons. But I think it would just need to be something that would be approached with a session zero, just making sure everyone really knows like what's what's at stake. Yeah, I I really want a pet owlbear though now. Oh yeah, <laughs> I have an owl. I have an owlbear. And his name is Chris Pawkins that I got at D and D Live. It's a actually a dice holder, but oh, cute! I don't know if you know who he's named for, but that's my boom. <laughs> I'm so mad. He's... We were at PAX, and he wasn't at PAX South, but then he was at PAX East. I only saw him on stage. I went into the live show and like was taking pictures from the back for a minute. And then I was like, sent him a DM and I'm like, oh my gosh, look, I'm here. And he's like, here's my schedule. And I'm like, I'm not going to be able to make any of that stuff. I got to go talk to people. Oh, man. So that's a good segue, though, to talking about being the tabletop ambassador for PAX. Oh, that thing that I thought I was totally unqualified for. (laughs) I never had that thought but i thought people well, were gonna be about like this. she can't do this and like people were super supportive but like my brain was like you don't deserve this and but then i also like had people that were like it's really nice to see like a black girl representing for a tabletop like for like to have like a woman in that space representing like and so when i think about it from that perspective and kind of take myself out of it 
I'm like, okay, I need to do this. And especially the first, I played in the Latinx game at PAX South, and which playing in Exalbo was so exciting. It's probably one of my favorite games that I've ever played. And I got to play a character named Bob. Bob? Yeah, Bob, who was terrible at absolutely everything. And I was rolling terrible this entire game until a girl came up from the audience and gave me her dice. Like, she gave me her D20. And... I'd actually started rolling a lot better, but and that's neither here nor there. But these girls came up to us after the game, and it was uh, two young black girls came up, and she was like, "Oh, like I really like like tabletop gaming, and I really want to play." And then another little girl had just started a D and D club at her school, so to see these girls coming up and talking about like how important it was to them, and like I'm I'm really excited about it. So with the PAX ambassadorship, there's an ambassador from each area kind of of the internet sphere of things. So there's like a streaming ambassador, there's a game developer, there's a YouTube creator, and then there's an esports gamer, and then there's a me. And a tabletop. Tabletop. And so it's pretty cool to see, like, I've gotten to talk to a lot of different people and see new games that are coming out and I love that they, like, at PAX, they have that area where, like, if you put, like, a big cone up and it's, like, looking for game and you can meet people that way. And they have, like, little pods if you want to play D&D so you can go in the back and, like, have, like, a curtained-off area on the, like, on the convention floor to go and play D&D. Yeah, that's right, D&D. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's, like, it's so cool Mm -hmm. to, like, I don't know, just to be in that environment and to... I had never been to PAX before, so to be able to experience it on this other side of it is really interesting. So did you know that you were being considered for this role, or did they just, like, approach you and say, hey, we want you to do this? No, they, like, reached out and asked me if I was interested, and I was like, did you mean to call me? (laughs) (laughs) But apparently they did. you mean that other Christina? You never know, but they like they definitely did, and it's been a really nice thing to do. And I don't know, like I like I really that was my reaction was like, did you mean to like, did you mean me like this me like this person? Because it's there's so many people that have been playing longer than I have that have a lot more experience in it. But I think I'm also going into it with with that like, hey, what's been hard for me as a player in this game? Like, what's something I want to see like talking about like we discussed having like a panel about like aftercare and game like when you have those hard games instead of just being like oh bye like getting to talk to people about those kinds of things and see how they feel like that's been one of the best parts for me is learning the issues that people have or like hey like I need something to help explain the game like I haven't played D&D or I haven't got into tabletop games because I don't learn that way. I learn by doing, but people are already like doing the thing. And I think that's been pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's awesome. I do too. I'm glad that, that they're doing it. It seems needed. And I was absolutely delighted that they chose you to represent that space. I love you so much, Shelly Montenoble. It's so exciting. I love you. I love you, man. <laughs> Yeah, and the fact that you're, you know, being able to to meet folks who are, you know, interested or not interested and then, like, be able to, I mean, it's truly an ambassadorship of being like, yeah. hey, this is what's cool about about tabletop gaming in general and, and, and doing that. I mean, I think that's something that, um, you know, I've been 
pushing as much as I can while while here, and, and it's nice to see the ripple effect of uh, of, of you, know, you and everyone else out there who is just spreading the good word about that, and especially now with not being able to meet up at various spaces and, and tons of people in one place. It's- uh, being able to do that digitally, I think, is going to be really important. It's in its community. Yeah, sure. So much of this is community. We did a panel at yeah. South about growing your community and how it's important to like do that organically. Which, if you paid attention to my Twitter situation last week, you know that that was a very big thing for me. That I'm glad I grew my community organically because Twitter suspended my account. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell, oh, yeah. Tell, for folks who well, may not have been following, I, what what happened? What happened? Uh, so they said it was like a, a DMCA claim situation because I had posted a video dancing when I was pregnant was the one that they flagged. But then they sent this list that was like all of these different songs. And it was like everybody whose name like was close to mine. But none of them were really me. I think two of them was me. And one of them was like, because I did, a, I think I did a Wonder Woman video to Canned Heat by Jamiroquai. And is it Jamiroquai? Jamiroquai? I don't know. But <laughs> Jamiroquai is how I was. Which it's so funny to me. And I'm going to say this because there's a platform to say it right now that y'all bitches can get mad at me about a 15 second video of me dancing with my big pregnant belly to Beyonce. But I can get called every name under the sun but a child of God on Twitter. And y'all are like, this does not meet our suspension complaint terms. I see you, Twitter. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's it's really frustrating that it's like, wait, profits of big companies are being threatened. Well, we can do something about that. But people who are actually getting, you know, death threats and awful things said to them, whoa, that's you know, hold on. Like that's what's so weird to me. And they like, it was such a quick like kind of takedown situation. But luckily, people rallied and. I am super grateful for everyone that was like, oh, no, we're going to get this account back. And it was back within 24 hours, but it was hard time, man. It was hard time. 24 free, hours. Free Christina. 24 hours in Twitter jail. You were in it. <laughs> yeah, that was that was very strange. I've never trended on Twitter before, so it was very weird to have like people from like the, our family that don't have anything to do with my Twitter that are like, uh, is this you? <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, what did you do? Are you in jail? <laughs> I was like, Twitter jail, man. Serving hard yep. time. I got a long bid, man. <laughs> Good thing you came out all right uh, in the end. And I think it's cool that you're right. That the, 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 I think response to everyone um, who has been uh, following you leading up to it saw the story. And I think that was a big swaying factor for getting it back so fast. Yeah, I mean, and that's like having a supportive community came in extremely handy and having a community right now where in this time where you're about to not be able to talk to people face-to-face and we're able to game online and you think about that online community that we do have, like, oh my gosh, I have to tell you the craziest thing. It has absolutely nothing to do with anything that we're talking about right now. So a FedEx truck love just it. drove by, right? And so I have a ring camera, and I love that thing because I'm nosy. So there's this thing, and you can watch what's <laughs> happening. I love mine too. You can watch what's happening in your neighborhood. Someone stole a FedEx truck two blocks away, and it was like you saw the whole, the truck? whole truck. These two dudes jumped in the truck, and you saw like the FedEx guy like running after the truck, like down the street, and he's like, bah, 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 bah. Oh but they just like jumped in and like stole the entire truck. It's a craziest thing I've ever seen. Sorry, that just reminded me of that. <laughs> Did they find him? Did they catch him? Apparently, them? they 
did, but did you know that there's like you're supposed to lock your truck and never leave your keys in it? Which I've never seen anybody that works for FedEx oh my God, or UPS. They're always like just in the road with the truck idling. Like I, they don't even turn it off. They're supposed to lock the doors, so if they don't, they get fired. Like if something, I didn't even know they had doors. Truck, on you get them. fired. So I really hope that guy wow. did not get fired. But according to the the community on on Ring, uh, bringing it back conversation of community. Community. He probably got fired. Sorry. That's terrible. <laughs> they need to have a free FedEx driver hashtag trending on the ring community. I will get it. St- not our, have you ever watched the comments? Like somebody was like, there's a coyote in the neighborhood and my dog was outside and we were scared. And someone was like, you're a terrible dog owner. Why would you leave your dog outside when you know there's guy? And like people are super like, like somebody was like, I saw a suspicious person. How do you know they were suspicious? Oh, yeah. There's <laughs> right. always... Why are why are you saying they're suspicious, huh? Why? Check check your whatever. They're somebody they're like, someone is going around and looking in garages. Maybe you had something really cool in your garage. <laughs> it's like Maybe they were just checking to make sure everything was okay. Maybe they just liked That's your probably. decor. <laughs> they really just liked the uh, uh, little mermaid TARDIS uh, painting in your garage. Karen Hallian represent. Ugh. What? I love dude, I I love that picture, that entire series of like princesses going into the TARDIS. There's like a bell when there's every Disney princess, but Tiana, I oh, think, awesome. and I'm pretty sure she probably did because Karen Hallian is like the goat of that kind of stuff. So yeah, and look, I don't know if you can see it, but my crown from D and D Live is up there as well. Oh, nice! I didn't see it until you moved it up. That's awesome. Yeah, you were you were crowned the the queen of karaoke for the D and D Beyond the party. The queen of the bards. The D and D Beyonce. D and D Beyonce represent. I love that. What did you did you sing a Beyonce no, song? No, I sang. <laughs> I sang the greatest love of all. <laughs> I think it had greater impact because I was pregnant and everyone was like, "Oh, let's give her." Oh. But my oh, you can get away with that. The way you voted and the thing was there were two cups and you put your like you got like a, a cup of coins when you came into the thing and. I, somebody like I had like a cup and a half of coins that were that people put in, and I was like, "Oh, you like me? You really like me?" Very Sally Fieldian, but it was also like, "Do you?" I'm weird. I don't know. Aww. <laughs> oh, that is. I mean, you know, you're what you're talking about is that whole uh, imposter syndrome that I think pretty much everyone in this D and D community experiences. Uh, and so I just want to give you a hug and say you're not alone. I appreciate it. I'm like. I've had a very weird, I mean, I think if you, you, I've tried to be very vocal about this whole situation lately, but I've had like a very weird time after being pregnant. Cause I have super like my, I already had anxiety, but you take my anxiety and like, imagine like a cartoon dial, like cranks up where it's like, okay, bad, worse. And like giant letters, like that's kind of where I was at. So it's yeah. been, it's very interesting. And I think. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't be able to, I don't know. I feel like I wouldn't be able to talk about that if I didn't have the community that I do and the support of the D&D community. Everyone's been. Well, I think of all the, the women uh, who, you know, feel like they have to keep that inside, right? Like they have to feel like, you know, imagine they're all the feelings that you're going through, but then not being able to communicate to anyone about it except your, your partner uh, or, or your, you know, close family. And I think you're doing the right thing by, by, you know, I wouldn't say exposing, but just like just talking through just being honest. what it means. 
I yeah. think there's that level of toxic positivity in parenthood where, like, if you say anything that's like not like the most shining comment about like parenting and your kid, then you don't care. And like, oh, like, how yeah. could you say this? And it's like, because that shit's true. Like, it's not perfect. <laughs> like, no, no and I is. actually love to say those things and be very honest with people and tell them like, uh, I I didn't do great the first six months because I like you was very anxious. It it wasn't natural to me at all. I didn't like it. I it's weird saying that because he's right there. But <laughs> his thing, I can hear his thing through the thing. And it's like, and it wasn't so much I like, I, I loved, like, I, I waited so long to like, I didn't think I was going to have kids. Like I was told I couldn't. So it's also that double-edged sword of like, oh, well, you weren't supposed to have kids and you like were blessed with a child. So why can't you, oh, yeah. why won't you so say you, nice things? And I can't believe you're not so grateful like, for ha- for doing it and having it. Like, how could you, you not be so happy? It's like, who said it's I wasn't grateful? Ex- extremely hard. <laughs> and it's also right. like, these things aren't mutually exclusive. Like. You have run the gamut of emotions before. Like, of course, you're going to have emotions afterwards. And to tell people, like, you're not allowed to feel this way. And I think one of the things that annoyed me, like, when I got the PAX ambassadorship, I'm very, very jealous of my time. I'm very, very selfish of my time with him. So I, like, I leave Friday so that way I see him Friday morning. I'm just gone all day Saturday, and then I'm back on Sunday. But people are like, I can't believe you would leave your child. And I'm like, you know, I have a whole oh. ass husband who is a whole ass adult and also a parent. Like, yes, he right. took off you're, work. You're not leaving him. He's not, it's, he's not a babysitter. <laughs> he's the child. This father. is my job. And yes, it's like for, I guess because people don't understand like this, when they see convention, they automatically assume like, you're going to have a raucous good time. Nah, bro, I'm going to be in the right. tub with a glass of wine by 10 o'clock. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like ten. That's that's good. That is pretty luxurious. I'm like, <laughs> I'd be like eight thirty. <laughs> like, do you know when I get a bath by myself, or the last time I went to the bathroom without someone like? <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think yeah. I just don't think I don't believe in like that idea that you can't say anything that people may take as negative or. Like, I I think, and I think it's unhealthy to expect people to go through this time where your entire body is changed, where you're like, the thing with postpartum anxiety is that you think like my husband would, we had like a schedule. It's like, I would be up with the baby till two because that's the time I go to bed anyway. He would get up at like two 30 and he would take over and he'd be with the baby all morning, but I would be up until three because I'd be like, what if he drops him? What if he walks outside with him? What if he takes him outside and he doesn't have a jacket on? What if he falls or what if like all of these things and you would go through this whole channel of like, what ifs, what ifs, what ifs, like, and you picture like the worst possible thing in the world that can happen. And it's scary. Like it's super, super scary and unsettling to have to like deal with that while also like being like, everything is okay. Everything is okay. You're like constantly talking yourself off this ledge And then you talk, you try Mm. to talk to people about it. And it's like, there's this like unhidden code where people are like, it's fine. Like, it's fine. Oh, like, heck, it's not that big a deal. Like you're stressing yourself out for nothing. And it's like, one, it's not me. It's like a chem, like, it's literally a chemical (laughs) imbalance that's making you feel like you 
are messed up. I remember the first time I went to my D&D home game and I got there and I'm just like, like I'm out of the house. I'm looking in the back seat, like looking for the baby that I obviously did not bring with me, like feeling like <laughs> I've like forgotten something. And like, even like I talked to my mother-in-law and she was like, you know what? I never really talked about that. And she like talked about her feelings. Cause she came over every day for a month after I had the baby and I would have like drowned without her because it is such a weird thing to have to readjust to your life and like to be like, I can still have hobbies. And people are like, oh, are you going to quit D&D? Are you going to stop playing? Are you going to stop like being in entertainment? And I'm like, for what? I was like, why would I quit? I was like, I can do both of these things. And it's like, yeah, I may not have as much time and my priorities are different and I'm going to prioritize work that actually like hates or that is gonna be pay your artist and um <laughs> but at the same <laughs> yeah. time it's one of those things where it's like no like why would I not show him like you know what your mom is an asimar and a awesome. paladin and all of these things that I'm gonna one day like do with him or tell him about and I think it's important to like know that like you can have other interests and people feel like you're supposed to just like give up everything and it's like why you didn't ask my husband to give up shit (laughs) yeah no that's that's what's been really kind of telling uh from unfortunately seeing a lot of the negative reactions on social media and stuff about parenthood is that this this idea that everything changes and 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 all of your life needs to focus on your kids from that period going forward, I always rejected that idea uh, because it was like, no, of course we got we, we still have to go do things and, and experience life, and it's changed. It's different now with having uh, children, but that doesn't mean it needs to end or cease. And it is really awesome to see you as this example. Obviously, I know you're you're going through it, and in, in order to uh, to deal with it, but like, I mean, that you're up to that challenge, and you're and you're doing it, and I think that's really commendable. And high five! Yeah, high five. Yes. And I, I just so appreciate your honesty because I found when I was there six years ago, I didn't, I didn't have see people who were being so expressive about. We were all going through it to different degrees, but nobody was being as vocal as I was. And, so and that was what I, I oftentimes didn't share that because it, I didn't feel like I had that support. And you felt guilty, like saying anything that wasn't well, like it, yeah. the best possible thing. And I. And I felt more broken or like, well, this is clearly my issue because obviously if other moms and dads aren't talking about these things, then they're not going through it. So I'm clearly the broken one here. And I assure you, like it, for anybody going through it, it does get better because I was really bad at at being, at doing the mom thing for, for a long time. And you know what? He has no idea. (laughs) He doesn't remember shit. So well, you gotta tell him. You gotta make sure. Make, show show him this when he's uh, uh, twenty years old. Oh, about, I'm uh, I'm writing about it. I'm I'm like more determined than ever to like get, make sure women are very adequately prepared for their postpartum life. Because that's the part. No like, one talks about like, it. You, there's not a lot of books no. about it that are like, "Hey, you're gonna be fucked in the head for a hot minute, my dude." Oh, it's okay. Yeah. You're not going to love every minute, and that's fine. Also, you're going to still look pregnant after you have a baby. That was surprising. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't anybody tell me that I'd still be wearing maternity pants nine months later? And let me tell you, they're amazing. Oh, my God. I, 
I'm wearing my stuff every day. Maternity leggings that I got on Amazon for like 15 bucks. I bought three pairs and various sizes because that's just what your body do. And I live in these. I wore for like three days of packs. I was like, oh, I got a pair for Thursday. I got a pair. Like these things are freaking amazing. And they're. I'm gonna need a pair after this like six weeks at home business. I'm gonna shoot you. A, I'm gonna shoot you a link because these are like the okay. most comfortable, stretchy pants. And then I got a pair of Wormwood sweatpants while I was uh, at Pax. They make nice. sweatpants now. Shout out to Wormwood because those what? Yes. What? Like legit. That's amazing. They are so comfy. I love them so much, and I have worn them for a lot of the last week. And I'm okay with that because sweatpants are my jam. Why are you hitting me? That's not nice. Yep. <laughs> One, uh, I mean, obviously, I know it's 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 very different when it's the mother and you're dealing with the hormones and all the things that are coming out from the thing. But I've been really no. Have you guys been following what Lee Goldberg from Pancakes uh, yes. yes. has been posting? Yes, and know, I love about- that too. His struggles with dealing with sleep training with the with with his kid. Uh, I just every single time I see those, I'm like, yep, I hear you, man. I've been in those situations uh it is not easy when you're dealing with all of the uh sleep deprivation and you want to provide the best for them to be able to get the sleep that they need uh and your partner to sleep too and like i love seeing like how supportive a partner he is in that right of just trying to like be there for ashley and like oh because yeah yeah and you just feel Um, like it's never gonna end it's never gonna change well, and then the lack of sleep. I always think of that Star Trek Next Generation episode where they can't go to sleep and Data has to save the day. But it's like it's literally like you start to be uh, uh, affected in how your cognitive abilities work because you're not getting enough sleep. And then oh. having to go to work and, and perform on, on a level, it's, it's, it can be very taxing. And I don't think people talk about that enough from uh, um, you know, all the hard parts of, of being a new parent. Yep. Yeah, because you know we're not supposed to. We're all supposed to feel very grateful, and but you end up feeling alone. Happy, you know, we were alone chosen. and isolated. And look at this. <laughs> like, yeah, but but look, um, he's still. Cool, and to though. bring it back to D and D too, he is very cool. Look at him. Um, you know, I think a lot of folks experience express that for the people that they see very visually uh, playing Dungeons and Dragons. You know, I'm thinking of. Uh, you know the everybody on the critical role team to to what you guys are doing with failed alliance to you and me Shelley sometimes will be like you know what they have is so easy and it's so great what a great job um, and I think I deal with a lot of like feeling guilty about when it's stressful or when this job isn't the coolest thing in the world and it's very hard not to to have some of the same similar feelings of guilt and and uh, you know not feeling like you deserve what's what's happening. Uh, around you uh, and it's something that when we are more vocal about the problems of of, of presenting how you know quote unquote great our lives are in these mm-hmm. social media times um, that it's also really important to say like hey sometimes it's not cool and I've been seeing a lot more people in the community talk about their anxiety or 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 how they're dealing with depression and even just you know now with this uh, uh, situation of all of us being uh, in our homes um, and I think your story, Christina, about like people bandering around a community is going to be a big part of that. And I think there, Dungeons and Dragons has a, a lot of power where we can help each other out in these uh, in these times as well as you know. I think going it's forward. one of yeah. the good things about like think about people being in the house and they're like now people are moving to a more like a streaming kind of 
work environment and they're streaming from home and they're having to do these meetings. Like that's something that we've been kind of doing like that. We've like, we all are, we have home games that we stream from. And I think it's important, like even using like Twitch to talk about those feelings and to be able to, to reach out to people. And I think I like, I respect Matthew, obviously Matthew Mercer quite a bit. And like to see him like reaching out and talking about the fact that he has imposter syndrome. And I I wonder like how games are going to help people get through this time of, of like being stuck in your house or being like, what is it? They call it social, social, not social isolation, social, social distancing. 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 Like that's going to come down to like, oh, we're going to be online a lot. Let's hang out. But like, yeah. <laughs> let's hang out. It's interesting that that's how you're going to have to deal like in the last few months from being at home. Like I've, that's how I've been doing it. It's like I'm FaceTiming people and talking and like this is going to be like the new normal for a hot minute, depending on like how well the situation is managed. Like we're going to be Zooming each other and talking and like, but think about all the free time people are going to have though. So we could get some games going and we could have people like we could talk and we can hang out. And like, I think it's a good opportunity to also like we were talking earlier about the fact that a lot of people are going to have their kids at home because we just got a notification that school is canceled until April. So like instead of like, oh, go in your room and play a video game or go in your room and like be by yourself and watch TV, like we've got an opportunity to play games with our kids to have different ways that we're going to like rally together, play games as a family. And so I think it's a good opportunity to take this social distancing time and being forced to work at home. And like, I don't know, like take that time to bond with your people. Cause we spend yeah. so much time on the go constantly. Think about the number of conventions that have been canceled and how many of those you were supposed to go to and be present for. And like, that's an opportunity that we're all getting right now to like, to stop stressing as much. Like think about people were on con crunches for costumes and trying to get this stuff done. And also a new way like of networking and being like, like I made a joke yesterday about having Digicons just so I can make a Digimon joke because you get it. Digicon, (laughs) digital conference, Digicon. Like, But think about, like, how cool that would be, like, we have, like, these online marketplaces for people to, like, I think I'm going to say this because I saw this today and it's so cool. There was a guy and he had people posting a bill and their Venmo. Because if you think about how unprepared we are for people, like, a lot of people live paycheck to paycheck. And we're going into, like, those people aren't going to get paid to not be at work. But... Like to have people like that part of the community where people are like pay like helping each other pay bills and like checking on your old neighbors. Like I have a neighbor around the corner who does like she has one son and her other three children died. And we go and we walk by and see her. And I know it's really sad, but she's so sweet. And her name is Tina and she's the cutest thing in the whole entire world. I meet old ladies because I walk now every day. Like, that was how I was dealing with my postpartum was, like, I started going for a walk every day. And so I've, like, made friends with, like, three little old ladies in my neighborhood. But I think, like, we have to take this time, depending, we don't know what's going to happen in the next couple weeks. But to, like, 
work on family and community. And I think that's super important or just to like exist without all that, like constantly being on the go and stressing and all that. I know, sweet baby. And the Dungeons and Dragons community, I think you're right. It's like, you know, we've been doing this for years already. Uh, And I think we can ramp it up even more and bring more people in and, and, and hopefully... Uh, uh, you know, find some place within the community for them that they can uh, meet up and play some games or just talk about what's going on. And just subclass yeah. or, you know, jumping into the, 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 the gold box edition of, uh, of, of Eberron that uh, Beetle and put out and show people all those. Do it all, right? I mean, I think that's the way to do it. Uh, speaking of plugging, you guys are already doing that with Veiled Alliance. It's already out there. We got merch. Um, bringing folks in. There's you got merch, a poster, and stickers. <laughs> Ooh, who doesn't love stickers? I uh, love stickers. Fun fact, the stickers, the Dungeons & Dragons stickers that I got from you for Christmas are on Luke's iPad. So he's got like a big Dungeons & Dragons sticker on the back of his iPad. And I was oh, so proud. Nice. That's awesome. Well, give Luke a high five for me, uh, as well as Tony. Uh, and everybody should watch Veiled Alliance. Tuesdays. Um, on... Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on twitch.tv backslash LFM underscore network. And make sure that you watch that and support. If you were going to be at, if they still happen, if you're going to be at PAX, please come up and say hi to me. If you have any suggestions for the tabletop, like what you want to see in tabletop gaming at these conventions or something that would make that cooler for you, please reach out to me because that's important to me and I don't want to know those things. And, um... Yeah, watch my show because I'm cool. Follow nice. me on Twitter, and we'll follow you on the on the on the Twitters now, right? That you're uh, you're you're back in control. You're back of. on on Christina R E L K R Y S T I N A A R I E L L E. Yeah, do the thing. Um, so uh, yeah, I like you guys. You're awesome. You're awesome. Thank you so much for being on the podcast we again. We love I'm you so, so much. Love you too. So glad we got to have the debut of Zeke. I know. Uh, thanks for thanks, bringing and Thanks Zeke for letting too. me ramble because I go on tangents. Yay. I like love that. You. He's learning all of your best qualities right now. Say yep. bye, Greg. Seeing Mama Say bye, in action. Greg and Shelly. You see Greg and Shelly? Bye-bye, bye, Zeke. Oh, you bye, sweet. Zeke. Bye, buddy. Oh. Bye. Bye. <laughs> I love talking to Christina, and I'm so excited to meet Zeke over oh my God. the interwaves. That was his first podcast, and I actually didn't realize that Dragon Talk was her first podcast. Now that she yeah. is a two-time Dragon Talker. That's right. She is got it, and it is amazing, and I love all the work that she's doing, being a PAX ambassador, as well as being on Veiled Alliance. Uh, such good stuff. <laughs> Look at Quinn. Hi, Quinn. <laughs> It is Bring Your Kids to Dragon Talk Day. Uh, I'm sure in future installments as we uh, deal with all of this that you'll see my little girls as well. I mean, they might they in. might just be hosting Dragon Talk by the end of this. We I'm, shall pass on the mantle to them. I'm okay with that. Is the way to go. I'm okay with um, that. So I uh, want to make sure everybody is uh, excited for Explorer's Guide to Wildmount coming out next week. is available on... Uh, all the digital platforms. Uh, so even if you're uh, stuck at home, you can still read it up and get it in your brain pan uh, and be inspired. I think that's going to be really good. Uh, you shall also check out the gold edition. You shall, I said. 
Um, check out the gold edition of the Beetle and Grimm's uh, Eberron Ooh, Rising from the Last War, beautiful. which I have right here. I've got it in preparation to be able to open it up during uh, D&D Live, which I hope to be returning to uh, at some point in the future, streaming here from us uh, in, in, our, in our abodes. So that should yep. be tons of fun. Um, that is available now. There are tons of copies out there. Uh, and then, of course, you should all be excited for... What is it? Mythic Odysseys of Theros. Coming soon. Shelly, thank you so much for... Tito. Uh, fending off Quinn during my little spiel it's, right we there. Did, we did real good up until like the last two seconds. And now... We are we are out. I think we should just get out of here. What I do you think, think Shelly? I think... If, are we allowed? I mean, I might like go stand in my backyard in the rain for a minute just to go outside. <laughs> Just to feel it. Just, just to, to feel like, oh, just this is to what... Just feel the air outside. This is what life is like. Yep. Um, but we do really uh, want everyone to stay safe during this time. I think staying at home is the way to do it. Um, play some games with your with your kids and with your family and uh, with everyone out there is, is a good way to do it. Adopt my foster dog. Adopt some foster dogs. There's That's my also Jenna. very good. My brother uh, did it. My brother uh, adopted a foster dog uh, this last week. Uh, and I think, it's, I think a lot of people are latching on to some companionship. Play some games, be safe, stream your games. You can play online with your friends. Just take care of each other and watch out for your neighbors. And don't forget to follow Shelly on Twitter as well. At At Shelly Moo. Moo. Uh, I'm at Greg Tito, of course. Shout out to uh, everyone who helps make Dragon Talk possible, including Ryan Marth, Lisa Carr from Siren Sound. You guys are awesome. Yay. Yay. Uh, Pelham Green helping out on the video side of this, getting this posted on YouTube. Yay for Pelham. Thanks, Pelham. Uh, and uh, you're all awesome people. And we'll see you on the flip side. Shelly, you, uh, what happened to the last time we did our I asked session? That I, I ran into somebody in the jungle and I asked her if she knew where, I don't I thought where where, where Drunky was. was maybe she'd seen a cat that looked where, just like where Daryl was. Daryl, yes, I, I'm Drunky. <laughs> I'm uh, Drunker. Right. Um, you uh, get a vision in your head all of a sudden of your brother, uh, a Tabaxi, um, but he appears to be bound. He can't move, uh, and his eyes are feral and wide. What do you do? Uh, I run up to him and I say, Daryl, it's me, Drunky, and I slap him across the face. <laughs> okay, I'm going to roll this d20. Uh, you got a 15. Excellent. Uh, so you, if you feel, you, you, you have your hand go and you f- actually feel like you connected with, with something, with, with, with Daryl's face, um, but immediately as you do that, uh, the vision dissipates and you're back in the woods. Oh. Um, so yeah, you have some, some kind of idea that something is happening, but you don't know. All right. But he's, al- that's- he's alive. He's alive. I feel like he's alive. Captivity. You'll find Cat-tivity. out more next week. Captivity is where it's at. And with that, we shall say good night. Good night, everyone. Good night, sweet princess. Bye. Bye.